Hi, I'm Jason Sachs. Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. Today, I'm joined by Eric Hoffman as we discuss Grendel's Omnibus Volume 4 Prime, which includes three interesting novels by Matt Wagner and Friends, which include War Child, drawn by Patrick McGowan, Past Prime, which is written by Greg Rocca and illustrated by Matt Wagner, and Double Quest, which is exclusively by Wagner. It's a really interesting hour of conversation about some really fascinating comic books. Hope you enjoy it. It starts right after this ad. Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. And I'm Eric Hoffman. And we are talking about the Grendel Omnibus Volume 4 Prime, as it's called, which contains a couple of classic Grendel stories, War Child, Past Prime, and Devil Quest. This is an interesting contrast to the, the, the previous two volumes we talked about. Uh, definitely a lack of intensity. Well, I guess I'll put it this way. A certain lack of experimentation and a certain amount of forward motion to it, but definitely a different feel than we had the previous two chapters. Yes, I, I would agree, especially after the uh, one-two punch of God and the Devil and Devil's Reign. Those books are both experimental, they are both really intense and crazy, and they both require a lot of work from the reader to really interpret everything that's happening. Right. Here, it was both a relief and kind of shocking how much is right there on the surface. And and it's interesting to me that this war child, which uh, comes first, the, the omnibus is comprised of war child, devil quest, and past prime. War Child, which came first, began publication in 1992, and it was the first Dark Horse published Grendel after the fall of Kamiko, which had resulted in both the delay in publication of the Batman-Grendel crossover with DC, which was the first ever instance where DC allowed its property to be published with an independently created character in yeah. this case, Grendel, which is pretty momentous in and of itself. But he had started writing and drawing that Batman Grendel, the first installment, which was a Hunter Rose story, right around the time in, in I think it was in the early part of 1989, so right after he finished the Devil's Tales, uh, Devil Tracks storyline, and the artwork is very similar, so it's very much of that time period. Uh, also very, very similar to a, another story that he did in which began his relationship with Dark Horse, which was called The Aerialist, uh, which only had a few installments published in Dark Horse Presents, and then it, I think he must have lost interest in it or something. It just didn't really um, progress past a few installments but yeah, that is great abortive series right right uh, so so that that Kamiko collapse really transformed the whole Grendel property the original intention was for Kamiko and DC to co-publish the Batman Grendel and for after a short hiatus the war child installment to be issues 
41 through 50 of the Kamiko series. And then that, that was going to be the final chapter of the Kamiko series. And then he, he had planned already, in fact, in the last issue of Grendel, there's that Hoche Anderson, uh, Stephen Siegel short story, which was sort of a, I guess, a taste of the what was to come with Grendel Tales. Mm-hmm. Which um, we'll talk about in our next pod. Which we'll talk about in our next. So the the publication dates and everything get a little screwy right into the, in this period. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that the Batman-Grendel crossover and the War Child storyline, which are, I mean, the Batman-Grendel artwork is pretty experimental. And there are quite a few plot lines going on in that book. But it is relatively straightforward storytelling. And I would think to be palatable to Batman audiences in part. But the War Child, like you said, it's pretty straightforward. I, lo- I always kind of look at War Child as kind of, to me, Matt Wagner doing Terminator 2. Well, and the analogy everyone seems to make is it's like Terminator 2 cross with Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Lone Wolf and Cub is very much... I mean, I don't think he's, he's even pretending to mask that influence. It's that the there's very much at the forefront of this. Yeah, and there's no denying the in, incredible influence Lone Wolf and Cub had on all comics creators at the time. I mean, oh, it was yeah. it was galvanizing, and I believe Wagner did a run of covers for it, so he absolutely read that series. The other strong influence, though, to me was. I should, we should mention the artist on it is named Patrick McGowan. Right. I'm not familiar with outside of this work, but he's uh, got he's got a strong kind of heavy metal, almost a Mobius influence to his art. Especially in the second half of War Child, there's just a lot of grotesque creatures and skeletons and nuclear irradiated animals that are yeah. straight out of the pages of heavy metal. Yeah, there's definitely kind of a euro sci-fi influence going on there and of course that heavy metal became so prevalent in the 70s and 80s so was very much uh, a going concern when this was gestating i'm sure wagner was probably i'm sure he was reading heavy metal and uh this artist yeah he definitely does share some of those some of those artistic qualities. It's also important to note that Wagner himself inked War Child. So, yeah, I wonder if he did layouts too, because there's a lot of places where he trusts McCowan to add texture to it. Uh, many chapters begin with a slow kind of almost a fade in, like right. chapter five, Devil on the Velt, for example, where he's in Africa begins with what you almost think of as like a long shot from a film. And slowly we see the Grendel's land speeder coming across the the sand. And then it focuses in on, he does a really great job of creating a a setting by doing that. But also you kind of feel yourself pulled into the story by just the silence and the beauty of the images he creates. Oh yeah, sure. And it's interesting that you mentioned land speeder because, and it's something that, we didn't discuss in our last episode on Grendel, but Matt Wagner is very much a Star Wars fan. And <laughs> yeah. there's there's actually it's quite a bit. Of, age, yeah. Yeah. There's there's quite a bit of uh, 
Star Wars influence in, especially in Devil's Reign, I think, with a lot of the, well, you know, I mean, there's sort of a Death Star influence in that sun gun. And yeah, stupid um, sun yeah, the stupid sun gun. And I always thought the Death Star was stupid too, honestly. But anyway, in a way, it, it almost periodically comments on the fact that Lucas and company regurgitated the Death Star in Return of the Jedi because he does the same thing from God and the Devil into Devil's Reign. He takes that <laughs> that same plot device and repurposes it. Here in War Child, you can definitely see a little less subtle Star Wars influence, particularly with the <laughs> lightsaber that <laughs> that Kendall Prime has. I mean, he's not even pretending to to not depict it as a lightsaber. I mean, it's a lightsaber. And he's riding a land, what is more or less a land speeder, like like the ones in in Star Wars. So, and even some of the locations that he goes to are reminiscent of Star Wars using different environments like the swamp or or the desert. Uh, I'm I'm no. reading uh, this Devil's Odyssey which is being published now. And that it's even more apparent in that storyline which we we aren't going to get into in this episode, but are, are you reading that right now? I'm not. No, I'm waiting for it to all be done. Yeah, so it's been uh, delayed because of COVID, like everything. But I believe that it's it's going to be continued fairly soon. I think uh, the new issue was supposed to come out in December, uh, delayed from March. So quite a quite a long delay there. But uh, in that storyline, he's also using that where he left off with Grendel Prime and that storyline is he's on an ice planet. So, you know, there's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty overt uh, influence on especially this storyline, I think. And a lot of futuristic Grendel uh, stories have some Star Wars influence in them, even in the Grendel tales, which we will talk about later. I want to get back to McGowan, though. Because what's really striking to me is how great McCown is at drawing the landscapes and the action inside the landscapes. There's a really strong sense of place here that you don't always see in comics. For example, the issue where they're in the snow, page 192 through or so, where we mm-hmm. see the fisherman on his boat and he draws the forests in a way that really evokes the sense of place. And all through this volume, he is outstanding at creating a sense of place so that while the story may feel a little slight, and I want to talk about that in a minute, too, by the time they get into like that factory or whatever where the vampires live and they're having their blood orgy and all that stuff, there's always a sense of where you are and what everything means and how everything's interconnected. And I just think that's tremendously powerful in a story like this because Wagner is obviously a very strong visual artist himself. And I think McCown even surpasses Wagner in the way he creates the world that he's drawing. It just feels real in a very wonderful, in a good way, comic booky way. Yeah, it has a kind of tactile quality. Yeah. Tactile is a great way of putting it. Yeah. And almost a sensuousness to it at times. Yes. Yeah, it's very fluid. You, it does a, an excellent job of making the reader feel like they are moving through the landscape along with the characters. Mm-hmm. 
very kinetic feel to it, which is, you know, in contrast to the more static uh, art of uh, Devil's Reign, for example, which is so just almost thumbnail static, almost like a documentary. And this is like an action film. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. And that's why that's where a lot of the Terminator 2 idea comes in. Sure. As I think far Brent as Prime's costume is spectacular, by the way. Absolutely. And I, I insist that probably the main reason why Hunter Rose and Grendel Prime are the two most recognized and utilized of the Grendel characters is because of their costumes. <laughs> <laughs> They're very striking. It is it, like it, you could you could absolutely see someone wearing this costume because it's really just leather with some really tough boots, great gloves, and this really nice mask. Yeah. But at the same time, it feels alienating. It maybe because it's a full face mask, and we never, I believe, we never see his face. No, you don't. And and he's also a you know he's also a cyborg which is interesting and he's he's wearing that sort of Luke Skywalkery cloak over mm-hmm. much of his torso which is you know wonderful but it also sort of cloaks him and then you you get the sense that you're not really aware of what his inner workings are and you know some of that is revealed later on as we'll talk about some of the later story stories that use Grundle Prime but in this case he's you're told he's a cyborg but from all outward appearances he just looks like a normal human being in a costume so mm-hmm. it really does kind of like spark the imagination and it's it's a definite less is more sort of thing where i think the suggestiveness of it is more interesting than the reveal. Yeah, I agree. On the other hand, Laura Lasante, who has taken over leadership after her husband dies, proves to be someone who we initially start hating, maybe veer a little bit into pity, but never feel like she's worse than kind of the stone-cold asshole, (laughs) for want of a better phrase. And, right. you know, here's Grendel Prime, who's a robot or a cyborg, but is someone who we appreciate. And here's this woman who's completely human, but there's nothing redeemable about her whatsoever. She's a terrible mother. She's a terrible ruler of her, of her society. She lacks imagination. She's kind of a pawn of others. And right. I just found her so unlikable, almost too unlikable. Yeah, she's she's definitely sort of um she doesn't have much depth i mean she i think she's more of a plot device in a way the story needed a bad guy and i guess from devil's reign the way it ended uh she was the best candidate for the job right about the only character to me who doesn't have a story arc in this in these 10 issues no she doesn't no even even the character who, uh, Susan, who ends up becoming a, a main character in subsequent storylines, uh, has a much more fascinating, engrossing, like three-dimensional character with, um, you know, a history. And you can definitely sense her emotions and her conf- her inner conflict and her divided loyalties. And, and she's got a lot of depth, a lot going on in the storyline, even though she's a supporting character, whereas the 
you know, the main bad guy is just kind of, I, I, she's kind of uninteresting in a way. Yeah, I struggle to even find anything redeeming or interesting about her. Right. I do really like how this chapter, or this storyline ends, too, with that kind of, with the, the people in the Grendel Prime in the cabin kind of finding a family. Yes. And how right. Crystal and Susan, Chris, who's the Asante child, end up finding family by running away from their fam- from her family. Right. It's just a beautiful kind of analogy for how people's lives can truly grow and change by them making a change in their lives. That's interesting. And and there's actually, even though this storyline is more of an action film and or has kind of an action film momentum to it, it seemed to me that it it actually and, and even though it seems somewhat slight, which is something that you mentioned earlier, and I would like to get your your opinion on that, but even with all of that in mind, the characters in this storyline seem much more sympathetic, much more developed, more interesting in many ways than the characters in previous storylines. Yeah. I Devil's Reign was that turning point in uh, Grendel, the original series, where Wagner finally managed to create a character who had that sort of three-dimensional quality to him and that inner conflict and and a really, really well-developed character and, and a character that you sympathized with. Whereas many of the characters before that were kind of sketched out. In a way, I think that is Wagner developing as an artist, where early on he was a younger guy. I think he was a much more visually oriented artist, definitely at the start of his career. And I got the sense in Grendel that many of the characters were more ideas on the page than real people. They were more like Wagner sort of fleshing out a premise about a character for example christine in the first 12 issues is kind of this vengeful force finally sung is a tragic character the the wiggins character is kind of you know a i guess um venal sort of character who's looking for fame and fortune and wealth and the grendel character in god and the devil uh, is a lunatic. <laughs> right. So it, 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 they're interesting characters in a sense, but it's more the idea of the character than the character itself, I think, that is interesting. Whereas when he finally gets around to Devil's Reign, and then especially with War Child, you're really starting to sympathize with the characters. You're like concerned what's going to happen with Jupiter. You're concerned with what's going to happen with even Grendel Prime, you know, the issue where he finally gets captured and he's, and there's that reveal as to what his actual body looks like underneath all of that. And it's this extremely, he's in this extremely fragile state by all outward appearances. And it's, it's concerning. It's kind of like, it's, you see him hanging there with his his body exposed and and you you feel for him Uh, (laughs) it's extremely compelling and i think a lot of that has to do with the quality of 
not only Wagner's development as an artist, but I think also uh, getting Patrick McCown to draw this because he's an extremely gifted artist with uh, facial expressions and with body movements, and that can really help a character come alive. I mean, I'll talk about that later with Edvin Bakovich in the um, Grendel Tales miniseries that he drew, which I think are much like War Child, some of the most sympathetic portraits and human portraits of characters in the Grendel series where you as a reader are genuinely concerned about what's happening to these people. And I think, like I said, much of that has to do with the skill of the artist in creating these characters on the page and sort of breathing life into them and giving them flesh and blood. Yeah, I think there's definitely two things going on here in my mind. One is that Wagner is older, more mature. It's done a lot of comics work by this point and is clearly thinking about things in a more, just in a deeper way, as you tend to as you get older. He's less concerned with gesture than he is in story. And I think you can even tell the difference between the first few chapters of War Child and the ending of War Child, because there's just a depth of humanity in that. The other example that I point to is the, I guess you could call it a poly relationship in oh, War yeah. Child. Uh, I'm on that page, actually. It's funny that you mentioned it, because I was just about to mention that. Which is like in contrast to Orion and his sisters, which you felt was so off-putting, right? Uh, because it just didn't feel like it was earned in a way. But this relationship between the three of them, the, the, yeah. the three people in the community, has a real feeling of love and trust between them. And you're right. The other piece is McGowan's art. And I think he really sells these characters as people. More than anything, they just make eye contact with each other. They're just right. in relation with each other. And you can just feel they live in the same world with each other that other creators just aren't quite able to pull off. Oddly, the centerpiece of the issue is just the group all sitting together by the fire in their house, in the cabin, just talking because it suddenly makes it feel like all this chasing around it makes sense. And then from there, you get the idea that Jupiter may have been this baby when he was brought along to flee the his sadistic mother. But by the end of the story, all everything he's gone through has truly matured him. Right. So that Wagner's kind of giving him this odyssey, maybe a little like Luke Skywalker, where yes. he's emerging into being the hero he needs to become. I think we're seeing a, a much more mature work here. I think it's fair to call it shallow because it seems like such a quick read, but it's kind of a stealth read. It is. Well, it's a page turn. It's hard to put it down. It really mm -hmm. is. You know, I don't think I can say that about any of the previous Grendel storylines. Uh, generally, when people, when people who aren't into experimental comics ask me about Grendel, maybe ask me where they should start, I tell them to start with War Child. It is relatively self-contained. They kind of give you all the backstory that you need mm -hmm. early on. And they do an excellent job of, because there is quite a bit of backstory. And I would argue they do a great job because, like, we don't get a sense. We don't even know the, the name. She's just Madam for the first few pages. 
for the first sure. actually eight or six or seven chapters at least. Yeah. And the relationship between her, her and her daughter seems very stereotypical at the beginning. And she kind of abuses Heath instead of Heath standing up to her. But that all adds to kind of the power of how the story twists and turns, too. True. And where events are mentioned dispassionately or in passing in Devil's Reign, which sets up this whole new world that we're getting into. In Warchild, you're actually in those environments and in those worlds mm -hmm. and seeing the repercussions of Orion's actions, you know, in the devastated landscape, in the, the irradiated mutants and all of these different areas of the world that have been affected by these decisions from on high and how the people are dealing with it, just the normal people, how they're surviving in this landscape, in this world that they had nothing to do with creating, been sort of forced upon them by the actions of madmen and tyrants. It's really interesting. And it, it's a much more human storyline, I think. And in a way, it's almost like not even really a Grendel story because I'm kind of hard pressed. I mean, I know Grendel Prime is supposed to be, I guess, the next individual who is possessed by the demon Grendel. But in a way, you can't even say that because he's the hero. Yeah. And that gives us just a very nice sense of closure. I right. think if this had run as issues 41 through 50 of the original Grendel, it would have been a satisfying conclusion. Right, right. I mean, you also, you also called out something really. I'm, I'm sorry. Go keep going with that. Well, it really brings every. It really brings everything together. I mean, it, it even they even have that stupid sun disc mm -hmm. <laughs> again, or sun gun, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, it's now it's in a museum. You know, and it's been disconnect you know it's been taken apart and the key components have been scattered to the uh, four corners of the world and hidden by orion so that no one will ever be tempted to use it again kind of thing but you know i mean just to give you an example of how it brings together all these disparate plot lines and and provides them with a satisfying conclusion i think and even the vampires which yeah. you know we, the reappearance of Pelon struggled with, yeah yeah and you know having that loose storyline come back together and to do it in a way that it doesn't seem extraneous or you know it doesn't seem forced upon the storyline it's just sort of like well we've already encountered mutants we've already encountered all these other things why not encounter vampires well even ties it up so nicely at the end with the uh kind of scene you get often at the end of a movie or a novel where as to the other players, where are they now? What happened to them? And it just like sums up, sums it up just so perfectly. And each one of the, the people's fate is just ideal for what they produce. Complete with this little tease about Susan's life, but also like Laurel Kennedy getting her just desserts in the end. Right. Do you uh, think that, well, I was going to ask you, I mean, you know, uh, Jupiter is, uh, I guess, for all intents and purposes, a virgin birth. Uh, he, Orion carried him in gestation. Right. In Devil's Reign. And, and I also, I you know, I see Wagner sort of anticipating that stupid uh, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Anakin being the product of a virgin birth, right? 
do you think he was setting up Jupiter for being the next Grendel? Because, I mean, all of that setup sort of gets dashed on the rocks in Devil Quest and Past Prime. I mean, all of that building up and and saving Jupiter, as wonderful as it is in War Child, by the time we get to Devil Quest and Past Prime, Jupiter's out of the picture. So I would argue that Jupiter is pure in a way that none of the other characters are. And that he is the end, the beginning of a new world that's outside of the influence of the Grendels. So, and here's here's part of my symbolic argument. And this is also a little bit of my feeling that Wagner's doing a magnificent job of showing us and not telling us in this case. Right. So the sequence that starts on page 245, where a naked Jupiter goes to visit Crystal and basically says, do we have, what do you see in my future? He comes naked, not afraid, right? Literally, he he's open to anything that happens. And then he's part of the charge into the village, but he comes in through Mount Rushmore. I'm not sure whose face, he, whose eye he comes in through, but I want to say it's George Washington. And he's starting his world, he's starting everything all over fresh. Right? One thing Washington was people think of as Was about Washington is he was kind of the purest American in some ways in that he wasn't the prey to politics. He was not interested in power. He set the idea of, of uh, peaceful succession. Right. And so I almost feel like, you know, no, I, it's not, I almost, I, I feel Orion is kind of born fresh to become a new leader that has never been in this world before or has never been in this world for for thousands of years and so i see him as the end of the the beginning of a new line yeah it's it definitely ends on a very hopeful note and his his so his speech on page 266 right. uh, you who are the very backbone and flesh of this fragile Volatile Earth, I come to you tonight as the son of a man who gave his very life so this world might be united. Fellow citizens, that dream lives on through me. He has no Grendel mark on his face. He has no hint of a Grendel mark in his face. His face is clean yeah. and pure. Right? right? He's drawn even without cheekbones. I mean, he's clean. And I think because of that, he represents a new future, at least in which the Grendels are under control. Right, and that and that final panel is again with the setting sun. I mean, all it needs is that second sun up above it, and it would be the, almost exactly the same as. <laughs> <laughs> but then so we, like but then liking we, War Child enough when I read it the first time, but the second time, I truly believe it's the best run of any of the runs that anyone has done on this series. Oh yeah, and yeah. Carter is. Just great comics. It is, and it, it continues to be, you know, from from near as I can tell, it has almost universal acclaim. The fandom of Grendel, I think, generally holds it up to be the high watermark. War Child, geez, even even just those Simon Bisley covers. <laughs> right. 
are something to behold, you know. But getting into, I guess we can move into Devil Quest, which was, and where I say the 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 promise of Jupiter Asante being dashed, it seems these Devil Quest stories. This is a very so Devil Quest was a backup that Matt Wagner came up with for several of the first Grendel Tales miniseries that were published by Dark Horse in 1994 and 1995. And I think it was probably done in, in kind of in the spirit of the Grendel backups in Mage or the Mage backups in Grendel, but also because they're painted much like the Mage backups in Grendel were painted. I think it was also done probably to help drive up sales or generate interest in the Grendel Tales miniseries because Matt Wagner was pretty well-established artist at that point and had his own, uh, you know, pretty dedicated following. People would buy pretty much anything he was involved with. So the backups don't really tell a coherent storyline. It's more short stories that are being told in the post-Jupiter Asante world, which as hopeful as War Child was, we seem to be back in the world of a more, I guess, <laughs> recognizable Grendel world in the sense that it's filled with villains and not many heroes, and people are driven by lust and greed and uh, the want of power. And it's a pretty dark portrait of the future. Yeah. Kind of reminiscent in a lot of ways of God and the Devil in the sense that it's kind of a orgy of sex, violence, drugs, crime, you name it, uh, religious uh, and political corruption. So I, I, I'm, I guess I'm interested in getting your read on why Wagner decided to, you know, um, I guess uh, paint Jupiter's rule as kind of a failure in a way. I, I guess the through line on these stories is that Jupiter had ruled and a hundred years later under his, the rule of his grandson, because Jupiter dies. That's not portrayed in the comics. This, so this is a hundred years hence after his death. And now his grandson uh, is ruling. And again, the empire is on the verge of collapse. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess in a sense, I'm assuming that Jupiter's reign was a, a reign of peace and prosperity for the most part, but this more or less seems to just kind of push us back into the, back to the brink of, you know, the downfall of society again. And yeah. It's a Jupiter. little bit like as if the Roman empire were to have a, had a great emperor had a hundred years of collapse and then had a great emperor come back in to redeem it. It's kind of, it's almost, it reminds me a bit of, um, who was it? Well, Alexander the Great, but his father, Alexander the Great's father was the, you know, the truly great leader mm -hmm. and who expanded the empire and created a, an empire that was for the most part, peaceful and prosperous. And then Alexander the Great in his, drive for power and wealth and fame overextended his influence and 
just basically broke the empire apart and led it down into interminable warfare. I got to say that this story, these sets of stories coming at the end of this book were kind of a bummer. They really belonged at the end of the previous volume. And I felt like it dragged us back from a sense of redemption to just work that's just not nearly as enjoyable. So it's also very experimental. Yes. A lot of images that are very challenging. I mean, there's the the character in Higgsville with a giant penis running around in the world and stuff. And Mm -hmm. Wagner, like, fixates on it for some reason. Like, he's trying to be off-putting. Yes. And then the violence doesn't have the, the, the beauty, hate to use that word, of the violence in Gowns Run. Right. And so all this, to me, just lands in the big thud. It's like... I felt like we had moved on from this, and instead, no, we're back in this. In fact, Grendel Prime is drawn, especially in that first story, I believe it is, the second story, Glistening, with the giant spikes on his shoulders as this terribly terrifying creature. And we had just seen him kind of move beyond that. We had seen right. growth, and now it's almost as if we had seen him from an internal perspective that was appreciative of him of him and now we're seeing him from an internal internal perspective that's terrified of him and i don't want to see him that way i'm not used to seeing him that way i'm not comfortable with seeing him that way and i feel like a lot of these stories are just about us as readers feeling uncomfortable yeah there's a definite regression taking place with not just with you know the world building but also like you said like with, especially with grendel prime who you know, in War Child is kind of this benevolent Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator 2 type character. And then in this one, he's, you know, the predator <laughs> or, or an alien, you know. <laughs> he's almost like the bad guy in, a, in an 80s horror film. Yeah. The way that he's drawn and the way that he's portrayed. And the, the thing about the artwork in here is it's this painted artwork, which... You know, on the surface of it, it's interesting. You know, there's no questioning Wagner's gift as an artist. He's an an incredibly talented visual artist. And what he does here with the different color themes and color palettes that he uses for each storyline, you know, like the first storyline has a lot of blues and greens and reds. And then in the second storyline, it's this kind of color bled sort of gray and brown earth tones and then the third story is blue and green the fourth story is purple you know you get you get the idea you know in that sense it's like really interesting to look at visually but in contrast to war child my main problem with with this was that it's very static Mm -hmm. there's just not much depth to the characters or to the way that they're drawn it's they're very two-dimensional he only has eight pages to to create for these characters so there's a limitation there there's a a built-in limitation there obviously right but But these are definitely vignettes yeah they're vignettes and you know it's there's definitely i i guess we should say that probably the most consequential thing out of this Devil Quest is that it sets up the uh, Batman Grendel sequel. 
<laughs> which would come out uh, about a year after he finished these, which was also a Grendel Prime comic. I, I definitely, this is, I read this once and I just never read it again. And in fact, I, I more or less thumbed through it in preparation for this podcast. I didn't really give it too much close attention because there, there really nothing in here is either substantial in and of itself or substantial to understanding what's going on with the Grendel storyline, other than that, that set up to the time travel with Batman Grendel 2. So then let's move on to, I think, one of the most unique things that we're going to read as part of the series, which is Past Prime, the novel of Grendel, written by Greg Racco with art by Matt Wagner. So it's really our first sustained story that's not by Wagner that's still set inside this universe. And this is a very controversial book. A lot of people feel it's either too shallow or adds depth that they don't need to have or kind of dwells on characters who are kind of tangential to things. I actually found it pretty powerful in its ideas of a strong female character learning her place in the world. We've just seen her grow and change in the previous volume and now to see susan really kind of become more herself really made me appreciate her and want to know more about her they do a really uh, they i guess i should say rucka does a good job of kind of putting us inside her head and seeing her grow and seeing her really learn to become someone who's trying to gain wisdom in her life even literally by going to the himalayas and also by casting off her past by removing all that tattoos that she has. In some ways, I see this as being one of the stories that's probably that might have the most resonance for people in our time to read because of the character trying to reach kind of reaching some level of transcendence. There is a sense of closure to the storyline that matches the the closure that we got in, in we got in War Child. There's an abundance of strong female characters in Grendel in this period, not just with Past Prime and War Child, but also in the Grendel Tales miniseries, which we'll discuss. There's always been a tendency on Wagner's part to gravitate towards strong female characters or maybe a female-centric point of view in his comics. I'm thinking of, you know, obviously Devil's Legacy with Christine Spar, but also the Batman Grendel, the first miniseries, which I mentioned earlier, has two very strong female characters, and the storyline's more or less told from their point of view. I, I can only assume that the plot for this novel was developed by Wagner, or possibly developed by Wagner in collaboration with Greg Rucka. Uh, Rucka is credited with having written it. I mean, that it's written by Rucka, illustrated by Matt Wagner. It's copiously illustrated by Wagner, actually. I think there's over 80 different illustrations in here. So it's a, more or less an illustrated novel. It kind of harkens back to those. Remember those uh, illustrated novels that were crime illustrated came uh-huh. out? Remember yeah. Those? Yeah, kind of books, yeah. Crime fiction or whatever it was called. I, I, I can't remember. Picto the fiction. What was it? Picto fiction. Yes, and and also uh, Gil Kane's Black Mark. So it kind of harkened back to that interesting paperback graphic novel 
uh, I guess, proto graphic novel period in comics history. So I kind of liked it in that sense of it being kind of a throwback. The better throwback is that, like you said, there's again this quality of redemption or cleansing taking place of overcoming not only um, external adversaries, but internal adversaries. Extremely well-drawn female character, a very good plot. I mean, very engrossing plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, again, it was like War Child. It was hard to put down. I First time I read this, I read it in one sitting, which is quite unusual for me. To read like, any- it's a really quick read, and Rucka does yeah. a great job of kind of wanting, you know, creating a cliffhanger at, at the end of every chapter, too, that makes you want to read on. I love, too, there's a travelogue, which yeah, is a great compliment to War Child. As a travelogue, yes, yeah. It's almost like War Child 2, yes. in my opinion. And, and again, like you said, uh, the prime character is humanized once again. He's not this like malevolent force like he's depicted in Devil Quest. And even to some extent in the new miniseries, Devil's Odyssey, in this one, I think he's definitely given that same quality or character that he had in War Child. And I, again, I can only assume, I don't know, but I'm thinking that Rucka must have been a real fan of War Child because uh-huh. this seemed almost be a conscious attempt on his part to sort of capture that same vibe that War Child has. And I think, honestly, you know, it's funny. I, I see that I'm looking at the uh, cover here again, but I, I, I noticed they made it a point to put Matt Wagner's Grendel at the top, which well, was the first before time. Before Rucka became really well known to comics fans, I got to say. Right. It wouldn't just be, you would think, Greg Rucka's Grendel. <laughs> so, which now it obviously would be. I don't know that this is well regarded by fans. I don't think it is generally, probably just because it's a a novel that's illustrated. And I think that that might turn off some comics fans or maybe kind of be a betrayal of what Grendel is kind of about, which is that experimental artwork. And uh, those different visual things that we talked about, rotating artists or certain um, visual, you know, um, themes that are are woven into the storylines that become so much a part of the storyline and what the storyline is about in a lot of ways is that that, like you said, with War Child, for example, you know, the, the way the landscape is so omnipresent in the storyline. But I think Rucka does an incredibly good job of evoking that just through his gifts as a writer. He's extremely good at allowing the reader to, you know, with any fiction, you have to imagine just by lack of having illustrations to guide you. Although in this case, obviously, you do have some illustrations to guide you. But I think Rucka is really good at evoking mental imagery through his gifts as a writer. And it still seems like a visual storyline in many ways. I mean, the action is definitely foregrounded, but there's definitely a physicality to it. I mean, there's just constant discussion of physical things that are happening to these characters. Like, I mean, I guess a more extreme example is having your tattoos removed, right? But that's Mm -hmm. like going on through the whole storyline. It's very, again, like tactile, like I said, with War Child. In this sense, it's also a very tactile environment. And 
I, I think that, you know, it's a it's a fascinating plot, um, you know, this whole and in a way that War Child sort of brings together the original Kamiko run, this sort of brings together War Child in a sense. So I think it's a very underrated Grendel storyline from from what I can tell. I, I don't think it's well remembered or fondly remembered. Uh, if you want to buy a copy of it, you can probably get a copy off eBay for four bucks. <laughs> so it's not right so um it's well worth it yeah i i really am a big fan i think i mentioned this to you before of this and it actually uh, i've read it several times and it, it was actually one of the main reasons why i started reading greg rucka comics was because i knew he had written this and i knew he was a good writer and then you know who knew he was going to become <laughs> what he became right yeah because i bought but i mean i bought this when it came out and i don't think i really i, I think he was established as a mystery writer at the time but uh he definitely was not established as a as a comics writer so it's just a great storyline the, the scene that really sticks with me the most is when susan's thrown into the jail cell naked and has bugs running all over her forced to eat slop uh <laughs> ends up eating the roaches as a way of getting protein to survive it's just brutalized yes. and comes out which you know no one wants to read a character who's going through that but the way she comes out of that stronger and more true to herself than ever right. before i think is just a wonderful arc and everything she goes through you just feel so viscerally yes so well, that's by the time she's able to get her guns out and really flee where she came from, where, where she was attacked. Um, this is a woman who can go through anything. And so it's really Susan's, like we were saying, a redemption story or just Susan's growth into some level of adulthood. And she doesn't need to be a Grendel either. Or she's cast aside all her Grendel stuff. She's allied with Grendel Prime. They are peers in some ways. Although the last image of the book is Grendel leading her away. And I think that's probably true to, to the story. But she's at the heart of this, and it's her growth that really fuels the story. So again, as we did in War Child, we're seeing character growth where she's gone from being an adult but somewhat conflicted in her life to being an adult who feels like she has a mission in her life. And everything that Grendel Prime does for her kind of feeds into that and i like that she becomes someone different i want to know where she goes to next because almost like his kevin matchstick character i feel like there's a third arc to her story and i'm curious what it would be that's interesting that, that you mentioned that because think about it first she's yeah. the hero discovered then she's the hero defined in past prime she is defined what happens next? Is she denied or does she find truly who she, who she is and some measure of peace in her life? My bet, if I was to bet at all, is that she's going to she'll come back to serve her former young master and create be, be a big part of creating this great redemptive society. Kind of a Obi-Wan Kenobi sort of character in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, only Obi Wan's not. I will, yeah, I won't give you any uh, spoilers, but 
she does figure into Grendel's Odyssey. So okay. again, getting back to Terminator in a way that Terminator 2 was more about Linda Hamilton's character, really. She was this sort of lost innocent in the first Terminator film. And by the second film, she is she's the superhero. Yeah. And I can see a lot of that influence again here with Susan's character that she's been put through all of these just she's been through one trauma after the other and by the end of the story she's hardened in a sense but she's kind of the master of her own fate which she hasn't been up until that point she has agency and she's able to make her own decisions I don't think she's hardened as much as she's just grown into a more mature level of who she is. She's She's been educated in the world and has come out to become more truly herself. I mean, I suppose if you say she's hard in the same way that anyone who's had kids and gotten married and had some tragedy in their life has gotten hardened. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, life will harden you. Your youthful idealism will usually pass away at some point in your life because life is just not an idealistic place. But at the same time, she has a mission. She has a goal. She knows who she is in a way that is very clarifying for her. She has perspective. She has perspective, and she is truly herself. It's it's another way we can see the the resonances of Matt Wagner in his 30s as opposed to his 20s. By this time, he'd been married for 10 years or so. I believe he'd had his first kid by then. Maybe I think he only had one kid one son had some level of professional achievement in his career and also had uh, quite a bit of setbacks as anyone does and you can see that growth and maturity reflected in the way he treats susan where she's not peter parker exploding from under the machine in spider-man 34 or whatever you know it's not a temporary triumph this is truly growth on her part and i think that's just really powerful we don't you know we see that in comics this is where auteur driven comics have a power that's greater than individual comics and auteur driven comics where you come back to characters again and again um, worlds again and again has a power over individual graphic novels i think rucka just on the strength of, of his gift as a writer was able to look at wagner's body of work and figure out like any good writer can what are the major themes here? What is it that Wagner is most interested in? Wagner may not be cognizant of many of those things that Rooka, maybe looking at it, was able to intuit and utilize in crafting this story. And I, that's where I see that, that artistry, where you talk about the auteurism of it, that's where I see that artistry is one artist looking at another artist's body of work and getting at the core of it getting to the absolute core of what sets it apart, what makes it unique, and then developing an entirely new story out of that. So I guess, yeah, you could say Matt Wagner's Grendel on the cover, right? Because it is his. I mean, it's his vision. Rucka's kind of playing in his sandbox, but he, he does such a great job with it. He brings a lot of his own toys, too, which is interesting. Because you can see some themes in here that are not just Wagner's. You can see some themes that Rucka would go on to explore 
in some of his later work. You have me so intrigued now to read the best of the Grendel Tale stories, because I know the one, especially by the Croatian team, oh, yeah. combines Wagner's vision with a very personal look at the world. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited to read that. It stands the test of time. It's I would not go so far as to repeat what one reviewer on Goodreads said, which was these are the some of the greatest comics ever made which is certainly high praise. I will say that they're some of the greatest Grendel comics ever made, if not the greatest. I look forward to talking about those too. I mean, those are those are incredibly potent comics, everything that's going on. The way that they're able to meld the geopolitical realities of the Bosnian-Serbian war in the mid-90s into this futuristic, fictional, way post-futuristic, apocalyptic society and then to draw those connections between here's this post-apocalyptic futuristic nightmare and here's like what was happening in our lives in you know sarajevo in 1995 and to so we'll talk about that in december and i'm really looking forward to this i'm glad we got to read war child i'm not sure no actually i will say i think this is the best arc we've read so far and i think the combination of mcgowan's gorgeous artwork and place setting. His place setting, his uh, way of depicting people that really smartly uses stage direction to convey the characters, as well as the kind of beautiful way he, he draws the grotesqueness of this world is, in my mind, the best art we've seen so far. And you see it in the small scenes and you see it in the large scenes. And he just does a gorgeous job. And Wagner really seems inspired by the idea of providing a, a sense of closure. He makes a lot of very smart decisions. And it's just a wonderful book. I, I think if I was starting I, to read Grendel, I would also start with volume four, which I wouldn't expect. I would say start with volume one and read about Hunter Rose. But I think this book really has a power that's true to comics these are just plain great comics no compromise they are just great comics they work on so many different levels not just as a example of great indie comics from the 90s but also as sci-fi i mean hard sci-fi post-apocalyptic uh, mad max sort of sci-fi as well that the whole Terminator, we talked about some of the influences like the Terminator, Lone Wolf and Cub, sort of action films or Akira Kurosawa movies, which we didn't talk about, which is a definite influence there as well. I just culturally speaking, they're extremely rich. They've got vampires, mutants, you know, I mean, there's so much going on. There's so much there that um, the type of people who are into genre uh, can really latch on to. Uh, but at the heart of it, it also works as this coming of age story or uh, an action story uh, you, you know it's all of these different things that it, uh, levels that it's operating on all at once and it does it seamlessly yeah uh, you know which is really pretty incredible and you know i always thought that wagner showed some of that promise like in mage he was more interested in telling kind of like um straightforward story in mage and you can see a lot of those kind of like narrative hits 
that he's making along the way in Mage, and you can say, wow, you know, that's a great story. And Mage is kind of a coming-of-age story as well, in a sense. But, but with Grendel, you know, we talked about, like, how it always foregrounded its experimentalism. It always sort of put it in your face that much of what was going on here wasn't necessarily about the story so much as how the story was told. Here it's about the story. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we also talked about how, I'll put it this way, I think the Pander brothers, if they were to draw the Christine Spar story now, would approach it differently. I know Wagner would approach it differently. This is the first work we've read by Wagner as part of this project that feels more, that feels mature. It feels like the work of an adult creator who's really had some perspective on the world. And that just makes it so much more interesting. And to me, yeah, as I said, I just think this is a stealth comic that works that really works gorgeously. But also just well, super fun, exciting, interesting characters you can really dig. A lot of action, a lot of adventure, a lot of movement. There's zombies. There's vampires. There's all kinds of bizarre creatures. There's nuclear radiation. There's sex. Uh, right. There's there it's it's a b movie done as in an a movie style yeah yeah absolutely yeah a b a b movie with a with an a budget yes right right which is what you could say that about james cameron that's all he made his whole career were b movies with a, a budgets if that's our comparison to james cameron cameron movie <laughs> i go for that okay it's, it's like the you abyss know, yeah. of stories maybe it speaks to my age now but where a younger me would probably be kind of throw War Child aside and say, oh, he sold out. He cashed in. <laughs> uh, older, wiser me, hopefully wiser, <laughs> looks at it and says, no, this isn't where he cashed in. This is this is where he grew up. This is where he he found his voice, I think, finally. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's War Child is probably remains probably the quintessential Grendel comic. So next time we will talk the Grendel Tales Omnibus Volume 1. And I'm very excited to talk about that. I haven't read those since I read them when they were originally out. Mid-Mon- Are we going to get the great stories in Volume 1 or do we have to wait for Volume 2? Well, there's... Actually, I can answer that question myself. I see Darko Machan. Yeah. They, Darko, yeah, Dark Horse... Um... Edwin Bukovic. Yeah, I want to talk about Machan next time because I think his story is really interesting. We'll, we'll have to discuss it, but Dark Horse wisely put one Darko Machan, Edmund Vukovich story in one volume and the second storyline by that artistic team in the second volume. Because <laughs> I think if they, I think they realize smartly that if they put both of those storylines in one volume, that would be the one everyone bought and nobody would buy the second one. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, thank you.